Amen. All right, he's going to thank you, Kenny. All right, I'm going to bring my wife up. We are finishing our series this week on home. Uh, We've been talking about, thank you, Kenny. We are thankful for youth pastors as well and their spouses. That one's mine. I don't want Amy to fall off this one. This is a little wobbly. So uh, we've been talking about home. Now, how many of you are a parent? Raise your hand. How many of you are a child of someone? If you didn't catch it, that will be all of us, right? So, thank you, Kenny. So, we're going to conclude our series on home this week talking about family. We've talked about marriage the last three weeks. If you didn't get a chance to watch, I encourage you to go back. You can go on our website, legsag.org, and watch or listen. Uh, You can listen in the podcast. You can listen in the app. Uh, And not because we're anything special, but it's information that you need. Uh, It's very helpful. If you put these things into practice, it will help your marriage. Today we're going to talk about parenting. Now you may say, well, I don't have kids. That's okay, you are someone's kid. All right. You may say, well, I don't plan on having kids. They terrify me. That's okay. Your friends are going to have kids. And they're going to send them to your house at some point. <laughs> because they want to get rid of them for a little while. Um, how many of you ever watched the Bill Cosby show when you were younger or still? Um, Bill Cosby had this great line I love. He talked about kids and he said they were brain damaged. It was hilarious. Have you ever seen it? And he says kids are brain damaged adults. It's kind of funny, and I love my children. We're blessed with great kids. Uh, but then he had this line he used to say to his kids. You could probably even say it with me. I brought you into this world. I can take you back out and make another one that looks just like you, right? Um, now, how many of you have ever caught yourself saying something your parents said that you said you would never say? It comes out of your mouth, and you say, whoa, that was my dad. That was my mom. just came out of my mouth. It was weird. Uh, and it happens to all of us as we age because... Kids don't come out of the womb with an instruction manual. I'm one of those people, I read instruction manuals when I get something because I want to know how to do it. I know a lot of guys don't. I'm weird, I'm weird like that. And when we had our daughter, I remember we were standing there looking in the crib and she was sleeping. I thought, I have no idea what to do with this thing. I don't know how to feed her. I don't know how to, I had changed the diaper and I didn't want to know how to do that. I was hoping Amy would do all those. Uh, but I was like, I don't know. I've got to keep this kid alive until she's 18 you know, and out of the house. I don't know how to do that. And scripture gives lots of principles about parenting. It doesn't give every single thing. It gives principles. And so today we're going to talk about principles of how to be a child and how to raise children a little bit. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is one of the passages that talks about interacting with our kids, with our parents, if you're at home and you have a smart device, you can look at the Uversion app, and it's in there. The notes are in there. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is in the New Living Translation. This is children, which is all of us. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And all the parents said, amen, right? For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. You can quote that to your kids. (laughs) Obey me, and things will go well, and you will have a long life. If you don't obey me, uh, take that. Then it says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That is a short passage. (laughs) You're saying, I'm supposed to raise kids with that. Uh, And there are lots of other things in Scripture, but... This gives us a lot to look at. 
And then in Colossians chapter 3, I didn't put this on the screen, but Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. So there's two passages here that give us a lot of principles about how to raise kids, how to act as children of someone else, and how to interact with our family. So how should children react to their parents? How should children relate to their parents? How all of us as kids, how do we relate to our parents? Well, first, he says here, right out of the gate, we must what? Obey them. We must obey their parents. In Deuteronomy 21, when the, the people of God were entering the promised land, Moses gave them a bunch of instructions. And, and he, he actually said, if a child is disobedient, they must be what? Anybody remember? Stoned. He said, take disobedient children outside the camp and kill them. Now, I don't know about you guys. I wouldn't be here <laughs> if that happened nowadays. And why was that? Why did they tell them to put... And it wasn't just one mistake. It was kids who were consistently disobedient and rebellious. Why did they do that? Because it's contagious, right? How many of you know if your kid hangs around with a kid who's disobedient, they start becoming disobedient? If they hang around with other students who are rebellious, they tend to become rebellious. If they hang out with students who are disrespectful, they start to become that. You know, we always think, well, my kid will rub off on the other kid. Well, a lot of times it's the other way around. And so this is a big deal. Guys, this is a big deal to God that we obey our parents and we respect our parents because it shows others how to do that. Uh, what if our parents, some of you are saying, well, what if my parent is not a Christian? What if they tell me to do something that goes against God's word? Well, we have to obey God's word first. But here's the thing. If we honor our parents as Christians, if they're not Christians, you know what that does? That's a witness to them. That shows them what God can do in their lives. So if we respect and honor our parents, even if they're not Christians, that's a great witness to them. Um, and we're supposed to obey when they're, when they're home, when they're away, like slaves obey their masters. Uh, so this is a big deal to the Lord because bad attitudes are contagious, but good attitudes are also contagious. So the next one is they must honor their parents. So Exodus 20, 12 says, Regard your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land of the Lord, your, that the land of the Lord your God gives you. And so the word regard means to treat with honor, obedience, and courtesy. Uh, this means all children, whether our parents are, whether we're young or whether you're older with adult parents, um, the way that we treat and we honor our parents, our kids see that. So if you have young kids at home or, you know, high school kids at home, the way that we speak to our parents when they're around us or whether we're how we are on the phone with them, that reflects to them how they should treat us. So even as adults, it's very important that we still honor and we still respect our parents even when we're adults. And then this is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. So how do we honor our parents? We show them respect. So Leviticus 19.3 says, Each of us must show great respect for your mother and father, and you must always observe my Sabbath day of rest. I am the Lord your God. Then Leviticus 20 verse 9 says, Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. 
such a person is guilty of a capital offense. This also means treat them with respect and value their opinion. We, um, it just makes life easier. And I know even as adults, we value our opinion. I was talking to a friend this weekend that said her dad said, you know, we always think our kids grow up and we don't have to worry about them once they're 18. But as parents, we worry about our children and we want to take care of them for their life, you know. And so it's very important that we respect our parents so that we have that relationship and then we pass that relationship on to our children. Now, please don't drag your kid out in the street and kill them because they're disobedient. That's not what we're saying to do. <laughs> that was Old Testament. Uh, don't do that anymore. But it is a principle. We have to honor our parents and obey our parents, even as adults, like Amy was saying. You know, I, uh, my sister and I, we call my mom. My mom's like this big. I mean, she's this tiny thing, and we call her Big Mama. That's just our joke within our family. And my kids are like, Grandma's not fat. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a term of endearment that we give to them. You know, it's, it's just it's something we've done since we were teenagers. And, you know, to us, it's an inside joke. But if other people hear that, they may not know that. So I have to be careful with that and only do that around, you know, people who know that. Um, so, and, and she loves it. Probably not. She's watching, though. So, love you, Mom. Uh, so how do parents relate to their kids? Now, how do we as parents relate to our children? What does Scripture tell us to do with our kids? Well, there's not a ton in this. There's not a ton in Scripture about this. It, and so we're going to tell you what it says because it gives us principles on how to do this, all right? So the first thing is, it says fathers, which applies to mothers as well, do not drive our children to what? Anger. What on earth does that mean? Do not drive your children to anger. Well, when you start looking at the word, the Greek word there, another translation is exasperate. Now, how many of you have ever exasperated your spouse? You ever been there? Your spouse is like, ah, you know, like on the video, you saw the, the lady like, leave me alone. Sometimes we get there. Sometimes we exasperate our spouse. That's what we're trying not to do with our kids. And so I was researching this. I was trying to figure out what, what are some practical things that go into this. And so I found some clips from a book by John MacArthur called The Fulfilled Family. And there's a couple things he talks about in here that, that feed into this idea of not driving our children to anger. Uh, now, does, does this mean we need to be our kid's best friend? No. Guys, please hear me. I, I, we spent eight years as youth pastors working with families. I'm sure Kenny and Adrian have seen this as well. Guys, we're not supposed to be our kid's best friend. We're supposed to be their what? Their parent. That means my kids are not always going to be happy with what I tell them to do. They're not always going to be happy with the decisions I make, but I always tell them this is for your good. I love you. That's why I don't let you do everything you want to do. That's why I don't let you eat Twinkies for breakfast every day. That's why I don't let you hang out with that kid. That's why I don't let you date until you're 16. That's why, you know, all these things, they may not like them, but they understand that it's for their good, right? And so a couple of things that we can do that will drive our kids to anger so we want to avoid these. The first one is excessive discipline. Excessive discipline giving too much discipline all right so you know some parents it's almost like they love disciplining their kid and and we do it because we what love them we do it for their good but don't go overboard with discipline um you know corporal punishment when i was a kid i got spanked and i knew i deserved it right 
I knew that. You know, my dad used to joke, I'm going to spank you every day because I know you did something I didn't see. You know, it was always that joke. But we have to understand that discipline is to be used for a purpose, to teach, right? Discipline is doing that. So we have to understand, if I discipline my kid and I'm mad, what do they think happened? They just think I was hurting them because I was angry. So we have to understand that we have to discipline when we're not angry. And I've had times, you know, we've had to say, go to your room and I'll come in and talk to you in a minute. I've got to cool off first, right? We've all been there. And so we have to understand that we discipline our kids with their good in mind, but we still must discipline. Sometimes we don't want to discipline our kids because we don't want to make them mad. That's not our job. Our job is to teach them to grow, to be respectful people, right? The next one is inconsistent discipline. So what this one is, is it just talks about how it just kind of depends on how we feel to how we discipline our kids. So if we're tired and we're just kind of being lazy, we let them go a lot further without disciplining them versus when we're kind of on top of our game and we can kind of hit it and say, no, don't do this. But we tend to sometimes get lazy and just say it's easier not to discipline them and it's easier to let it go. I'm just too tired, so I'm just going to let it go this time. But then what happens the next time is they do the same thing and then we get angry with them and we're ready to put that harsh punishment on them. And so we just have to have that consistent discipline. You know, when you do this, this is what happens. This is what you can expect when this happens. And so we just have to be careful that when we're tired and when we, um, you know, we're busy, that we're still consistent with the discipline that we give our kids. I mean, our kids know they did wrong. They're going to expect some type of a discipline. But if we just kind of let it go, then they tend to not know what is okay and what isn't. They need, they need limits. And how many of you, when you were kids, your parents would say, when we get home, and then they would forget? You ever do that? Yeah. So make sure that you're consistent. Or when dad gets home. Right. Yeah. When your dad comes home, it's going to, you know. I remember my grandparents, they didn't hardly ever have to discipline me because I was terrified of what would happen because I had seen the punishment, and it was consistent. My grandpa would say, go find a switch. That was not a good day, right? And he... <laughs> And, you know, we'd bring an old one that was, you know, nope. And so they'd go out and get a green one that wraps around. That's bad, right? So I am an adult, and I am terrified of your grandma. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's an amazing lady. I'll tell I you love what. her. So we have to be consistent, and we have to discipline within reins. We still have to discipline. And then unkindness. Another one is unkindness. What does that mean? Being unkind to our kids, making mean-spirited comments about our kids. Um, I know people that tell their kids, hey, you're stupid. Don't do that. Because how many of you know a harsh word can actually do more damage than a spanking? Because it sticks with us longer. Now, we have to discipline. We have to be consistent with discipline. But do it in kindness. Hey, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I don't want you to do this again. I'm doing this because I want you to make good decisions. And so it's making mean-spirited comments about them publicly or privately. If we tell our kids, man, my kid did the dumbest thing the other day, and they hear that, what does that do? That hurts, right? We don't want to hurt. We want to teach. Showing favoritism, treating one kid differently than the other, that is unkind to our kids. Now, we discipline differently, right? We know some kids, you can just give them a dirty look, and they just break down and sob, right? Other kids, you can take everything they own, and they still won't 
budge. So you have to discipline according to the kid, but don't show favoritism one over the other. Be consistent across your kids. And with that, too, we've taught our kids that some things come with age. So, you know, bedtimes are different because your ages are different. And what you can do is different because your age is different. And so we explain that. Yes, your sister gets to stay up 30 minutes later than you, but when she was your age, she went to bed 30 minutes earlier. So we try to explain that to our kids um, as much as we can. Um, The next is overindulgence. So giving a child everything that they desire without boundaries. So MacArthur, um, in a research, says, research from many different sources show that children who are given too much feel insecure and unloved. No wonder. After all, Scripture says that parents who let their children misbehave with no consequences are showing contempt for the child. Proverbs 13, 24. And then children that know in... Um, know that um, children know that instinctively yes see anybody that's in WM's knows I can't say big words <laughs> um, and it exasperates them um, so just really making sure that like we have limits our kids need to earn things you know at home we all do our part and then we get to do something special and so if I just said you know I'll clean your room I'll make your bed I'll do your laundry I'll you know, cook all the time, then they're not going to learn those things. And so they need to learn and earn. Yeah, kids need to learn things. How many of you were, that went to college, had kids show up at college, had no idea how to take care of themselves, right? Mom and dad did it all. That's not good for them. Kids need to learn limits. They need to know that we care about them and we want them to do that. So um, overprotection. I love this quote. When parents do not allow the child legitimate and age-appropriate freedom, is a sure way to provoke your child to frustration. And then, if we don't ever give them any kind of freedom, they're going to understand that they aren't going to get any freedom unless they rebel. And we don't want that. Give your kids age-appropriate freedom. Give them leeway. Let them make mistakes. And it's so hard as a parent to allow our kids to fail. But if we protect them from failure, what are we doing? We're setting them up for a huge failure later on in life. We can't protect our kids from everything. We have to allow them to feel some repercussions of things. And so there are parents who are so strict with their kids, they feel like the only way they're ever going to get any freedom is by rebellion. And that's not what we want. We want to teach them age-appropriate limits. We want to give them age-appropriate liberty. And so one thing we've always taught our kids, and guys, we're not saying we're perfect parents by any means. We've been blessed with great kids, but we're not perfect. We're learning this just like you are. Uh, But one thing we've learned from parents who've been down the road before us was let them earn your trust. Give them reasons to earn your trust. So we tell them, as you earn this, you'll get it. But you have to earn it first. And if you goof up, we're going to take some of that back. When they make mistakes, some of that freedom gets reined back in because you showed me you can't handle it. But I'm going to reward that as you do it. So giving them more and more freedom as they do it, it, it teaches them when I do right, I get more. But they have to know we love them even when they fail, right? And I think with that, we have a good friend that um, I've talked to a lot about parenting. And one thing he always said, he said to me once, and I was like, it makes sense, is we have to give our kids a little bit of that freedom while they're at home because we want to be able to rein them in and we want to be able to like help them 
say, okay, I made this bad decision. What led to this bad decision? How am I going to get myself from that decision happening again? And so if we don't allow our kids to do it, we saw all the time in Bible college, we saw especially pastor's kids that were just held so tightly because nobody, they, their parents didn't want them to make a mistake um, and hurt their reputation that they were held so tight and had no freedom that they went off to Bible college and bad things happened quickly because then they didn't know how to have freedom. So that's something we've always kind of, it's been in the back of my mind, is just giving them that freedom. And then the constant pressure to achieve. If you never praise your kids when they, when they succeed, it won't drive them to do better the next time. So if we neglect to comfort them and encourage them, then they're going to neglect wanting to do more and to be better. So although it's it is nature for a parent to desire their child to work hard and excel. Such desires must be balanced with patience and wisdom. So we want our kids, we tell our kids all the time, we don't expect straight A's because it doesn't always come easy for every kid. I was one of those kids that I had to work really, really hard. I absolutely hated taking classes with Rex in college because I was like taking notes, studying for hours, working really, really hard, and I would struggle. And he could go in, look at what was written on the board, and write it and be done with it and do great. So we explain that to our kids. We say, everybody is different. Everybody learns differently. We're not asking you to have straight A's. We're just asking you to have that honest answer when we say, did you try your hardest? Did you study as hard as you can do? Because if you tried your hardest and you studied as hard as you can do, that's all we can expect of you. And so then we try to encourage them, you know, what can we do to make it better? And um, just, yeah. And it's the same way with sports. We're seeing a whole generation of parents that want their kids to get scholarships and sports, and they drive them. I, I coach, I assistant coach seventh grade basketball, and there are kids in there who can't dribble a ball, and their parents are wanting them to get a scholarship to college, you know, right away. And, you know, they want recruiters. And I'm like, guys, give them patience. Give them time. Let them find their things in there. We had a kid in one of our youth groups who was really skilled as an athlete, and his parents pushed him so hard, he ended up hating the sport before he got to college. He said, that's all they ever do. They're all I ever talk about. And the only time I ever get praise from my parents is when I succeed in this sport, and they hated it. And they never wanted to play it again once they graduated. And so, you know, let them find what they enjoy and encourage them in that, but tell them, I love you when you do great. I'm still going to love you when you fail. So, uh, discouragement. Another thing we do to provoke our kids to anger is discouragement. It's when we give them neglect. We constantly criticize them. We condescend them. Uh, a couple of ideas here. Indifference, detachment, cruelty, hypocrisy, a lack of fairness, uh, deliberately making fun of them. Um, you know, that verse we read earlier in Colossians 3 says, fathers don't provoke your kids to anger unless you want them to become discouraged. So make sure you encourage your kids. You love them. Uh, and, you know, guys, I'm not talking about giving everybody a trophy. <laughs> that drives me crazy. We don't need participation trophies for anything. Kids need to learn there is success, there is failure, and they're both okay. If you never fail, you're never going to succeed. Uh, but encourage your kids. Be there for them. Love them even when they fall. Give them permission to fail. That way they can get back up, right? So, so 
Paul tells us not to provoke our kids to anger, but then we're also supposed to bring our kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the most important thing we can do as parents, is teach them to follow the Lord. The most important thing. It's not helping them become successful in school. They need that. It's not teaching them to drive well. They need that. Please teach your kid to drive well. But they don't, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is teaching them to follow Christ. We have to show them how to live. You ever heard that thing? It's uh, faith is easier caught than taught. Our kids are going to see how we live. They're going to see how we live our lives, and they're going to follow in that. Um, so we need to instill principles. We need to teach them to learn. Do devotions as a family. Let them see you spending time in God's Word on your own. Let them see you spend time together as a family in the Word. Because, guys, when they graduate... They're going to be on their own, and we want them to have their own relationship with God. We want them to have the faith that's theirs, and so teach them those principles. Teach them how it applies to life. Let them see you apply the Bible to your life, and so it's not just a set of rules, but it's something that we live in, and so Amy's going to talk about this principle that's in Proverbs here. So Proverbs 22, 22 verse 6 says, Direct your children onto the path, the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. This is a principle. This isn't a practice. We all know that. We've all seen kids that have been raised in Christian homes and taught right and wrong, and then they grow up and they don't live that Christian faith. But they're not going to live it if we don't teach it. So we're giving them a lot better um, future by teaching them the right path and about God. And then Proverbs 30, 33 says, twisting the nose produces blood. This is not every time. Proverbs 21, 14 says, a secret gift calms anger, a bribe under the table pacifies fury. So these are all principles. These are not going to always be exactly like it says, um, but they're overarching principles of how the world works. So if, you know, if we do this, this is most likely what's going to happen. You know, you make a bad decision, most likely you're going to have to pay for that bad decision. Um, we raise our children and we pray over them and we hope that when they get older that they will remember those things that we have taught them and have great relationships with God. And that's how it is. Really, it comes down to them having their own personal relationship with God. We have seen kids when we were youth pastors, we have kids that grew up in not Christian homes at all, but lived at our house half the time, um, that have grown up to be good Christian adults, even though they weren't in a Christian home, because they had that relationship on their own. And I think that's something when we see Christian families um, we just have to be really careful that our, we don't just assume our kids have a relationship with God because they live in our home and they do devotions with us. But we really try to ask our kids, like, why do you believe this? What does the Bible say and why? Because we want to teach our kids to have that relationship with God. So as they grow and they're asked questions as adults, they don't weary in their faith. And so I want to give you some hope here today. If you're here and you say, you know, I'm raising my child, I raised them in church, and they're not following Christ, that is their choice. But you know what you gave them? A foundation. You planted those seeds. And we've seen it time and time again. People will come to Christ later in life because of the seeds that were planted by their parents, by the seeds that were planted by their grandparents. And so keep praying for that. And if you're here today and you say, my parents aren't Christians, and I'm trying to live this thing, Keep praying for them. 
Again, you're planting seeds by the way that you live your life. They're going to see that. So Paul gives us these principles. Solomon gives us these principles. So this is how we hope it works. And so some practical considerations, a couple of things. If you want to have peace in your home, you want to have a home that follows Christ, a couple of things. We have to live like we want to be treated. We have to live like we want to be treated. What on earth does that mean, Rex? The golden rule, Luke 6.31, Jesus says, do to others as you want others to do to you, right? When we raise our children, we have to live the way that we want them to live. If I want my children to be respectful of others, what do I need to do? Show them how to be respectful to others. If I want my kids to be respectful to me, I need to be respectful to them. I can't ex- treat them like garbage and expect them to treat me well. <laughs> I need to show them how to do this. And that's what we do. We're, we're not perfect. We, we try to show our kids the best way we can to do these things. We teach them what's important. You know, we teach them going to church is important, right? By bringing them to church. We show our kids that we want to do that, all of us. So what we value is what our kids are going to see valued. What we value or what our kids are hopefully going to value. So we have to show these things. If we want our kids to be truthful, what do we need to do? Be truthful. If we want our kids to be generous, we need to model generosity. If we want our kids to have good relationships with the opposite sex, what do we need to do? We need to show that while they're in our home. We need to show them. If we want our kids to be kind, we need to be kind. And then give them reasons. Give them reasons for trust and openness. Reward that behavior. You know, it's easier to reward good behavior than to always have to punish bad behavior. So give them reasons. Hey, you know, when we left you home for an hour, you didn't set the house on fire. Awesome job. We'll give you two hours next time, right? You know, when we let you take the car out, you brought it back, and it was still intact. Good job. You're going to do that next time, right? So give them reasons to want to do the right thing. Reward those things. Reward that and give age-appropriate things. So so I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you're physically able, would you stand? We're going to ask the worship team to come up. And again, we're not saying we have this all figured out. We're not saying that we're perfect. We're trying, just like you guys are. But these are principles in Scripture that we can follow. These are things that we can model with our families. And so, Lord, right now, we just come, and we thank you for the incredible gift of family. And Lord, this year, many of us have been around our family more than we've been in years because of quarantines because of stay-at-home orders because of isolation all those different things and lord i pray that we would use this time wisely and so lord i pray for everyone in this room i pray for everyone watching at home i know there are some that are here there are some that are watching that have incredible family dynamics going on and everything is good lord help us to keep doing that lord i know there are some that are watching who have tension in their homes there are some who are struggling lord help them Help us, encourage us in that, that know that we can still do the right things. We can still have peace in our homes because of you. And so all around this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you watching, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and close yourself in with God for a moment. If you're here and you say, you know, Pastor X, I don't have a Christ-centered home because I don't have a relationship with Christ like you've been talking about. I haven't asked him to forgive my sins. I haven't asked him to to be the king of my life like those songs that we sang earlier talked about. And I want to do that today. I want to to make him 
the Lord of my life. I want to make him the center of my life. I want to see how this thing works. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with us. We're all going to pray this together. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with us. And this is just you talking to the Lord and saying, I want to make you the sinner. I want to make you the king of my life. I want to be forgiven of all these sins, all these things I've done wrong. And I want you to come into my life. So everybody pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the incredible, amazing love that you have for me that I do not deserve. Thank you for loving me even when I mess up. And I admit that I've made mistakes. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and make me new. Help me to make you the center of my world, the king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Bible says if you prayed that prayer, that you're now a new creation. That God has forgiven all that old stuff and made you new. And you have a relationship with Him. If you did that, would you talk to me, Pastor Kenny, any of these up here on the worship team, my wife, Adrian, any of them. Send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to talk to you about that. We've got a book we'd like to send you uh, that talks about how to take that next step. Now, I want to take a moment today to pray for family because that's what we've been talking about. And guys, you may be saying, there's no hope for my family. There is in Christ. There's always hope in Christ. We've seen completely dysfunctional families put back together because of the grace of God. And so we're going to take a moment to pray. And I'm just going to encourage you, pray this week about family. Pray this week about your family. As you have this Thanksgiving holiday and you're going to be all together in the house, put some of these principles into practice. Treat one another the way you want to be treated. So Father, right now, I pray for all these families represented here today, all these families represented home. And Father, I pray that we would make our homes Christ-centered homes. Lord, help us as children, to obey and honor our parents. Help us as parents to teach our kids to follow you, to not drive them to anger. Lord, help us to give them reasons. And so, Father, I pray for wisdom on dealing with our kids, on dealing with our parents. Father, I pray for wisdom on dealing with our spouse. Father, help us to make our homes Christ-centered homes and put these things into practice. In Jesus' name.